0: Well, hello everyone, welcome. It's uh, great to be with you today, carrying on our series called Unlocked. And this has all been about the keys of the kingdom. Did you know that God has given to you and he has given to me keys of the kingdom? He's given us keys that will unlock things. You know, when you think about, if you wanna get into your house, if you wanna get into your car, if you wanna um, uh, access, you know, people, places, even if you want to go on your mobile phone, normally there's some kind of digital key, and keys give us access uh, to people, places, and provisions, and this is the great thing that in the Word of God, in the Bible, we find keys. Some people might prefer to use the term principles or laws or um, wise Advice that we can follow that will help to unlock things. And of course, you know, when you go home uh, to your house, you will probably deadlock your door. You'll probably, you know, turn a key in the back and it helps to secure your door. So it also brings about protection. So we've been looking uh, over these past few weeks at different keys that we can find in the Bible. And remember this that small keys can open big doors. Often, you know, we think it's about the big things that will open up those big things in our lives. But often it's not. It's those, excuse me, it's those small areas of obedience that unlock the bigger things. Um, During the week, I came across this image, um, which really touched me. So uh, we're going to put it up on the screen. Hopefully this will work. And uh, you'll be able to see this image that really uh, spoke to me and I hope speaks to you as well. This is a picture of a little boy uh, in a very poor, deprived um, area in Africa. And uh, a cameraman uh, had given him a couple of lollipops and the the little boy took one for himself. And the very first thing that was his natural response was to offer one to the cameraman. And I just think that this is a really powerful picture of what generosity looks like. You see, generosity is not about what you have. Um, it's not about amounts. It's, a, it's about an overflow of a thankful heart. And here we see this young boy, even in his very obvious poverty, you see him being generous, seeking to bless. Uh, The message uh, today, I'm calling this the spirit of generosity, it's a matter of the heart. The spirit of generosity, it's a matter of the heart. Generosity is another one of those keys that we find in the word of God. It's able to open doors for us. And it's also the Bible talks about how that generosity actually can bring about a layer of protection as well. But generosity, it's about a spirit. It's it's an attitude of the heart. It's not something that can be forced. Uh, we cannot be forced to be generous, but it's the overflow of what God has done within our hearts. I recently heard a story about a pastor who <clears throat> took his five-year-old son to the Golden Arches. That's another way of saying McDonald's. And uh his little boy wanted some some fries, some chips, so he got him a, a large portion of fries, and so uh, he passed it over to his son. They went through the the, the, the uh, drive-in <clears throat> takeaway area, uh, gave these large fries to his son, and his sons are uh, enjoying his fries, tucking in. And after a few moments, the dad uh, um, leant across uh, to his son's chips and he just took one fry there were loads of fries it was a really big portion but he just took one of them and uh, the son as he saw his father's hand coming and he moved back and he said no daddy these are my chips and in that moment the father became a uh, he realized something that was you know, going on here with his son. First of all, he, he realized, well, he realized three things. The first thing that his son didn't really get the fact that if it wasn't for his dad, he would have no chips. <laughs> that was the first thing that the son was overlooking. The dad was the one who provided. The dad was the one who bought. The dad was the one who drove to McDonald's and gave it to his son. The second thing is that the son didn't understand was that the father had the power and authority to take away the chips at any time. He could have said, right, that's it, son. If you're going to be like that, I'm going to take them back. He had the power and he has the authority to do that. The third thing the father uh, learned from that moment was that, you know, the son didn't understand that his dad actually had the ability where he could have bought all of the chips in, in the restaurant. But the father simply wanted—he, you know—he he wanted his son to, to show uh, this generous heart. He wanted his son to to share, and when we share, it's a sign of maturity when when we're growing in God, and you know when we know how generous our Father is, we cannot help uh, but respond in 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 a way of generosity. And, you know, I think about myself and, and, and think about, you know, Christmas time and birthday time. And particularly when I was a child, a young child, for me, I'm going to be really honest with you. It wasn't about the giving uh, a lot of the time as a child. My attitude was, like, what am I going to get for Christmas? <laughs> but, you know, I was a very young uh, child that was not matured back then. But as I get older, especially as I've had children, um, I actually get more of a buzz, not out of what I'm receiving, what I'm getting, but I get more of a buzz out of giving. And it's a sign that when we're growing, when we're maturing with God, that our hearts begin to become like our Heavenly Father, who is so generous. Generosity is multifaceted. It's expressed in lots of different ways. It's not a kind of uh, uh, just one way of being generous. It's not just about giving lollipops or giving chips away. But generosity is something that really should overflow and impact every area of our life. You know, right from giving smiles. Um, sharing words of encouragement and affirmation, uh, doing acts of random kindness, uh, lending a listening ear, giving counsel and advice, supporting people, praying, even supporting the church in its mission and its vision, volunteering, all of these are ways that we can express a generous heart. A true, generous heart is not boxed in. It's not limited, but it flows out in all different directions of our life. It permeates every part of our being. Now, you have, uh, those of you who've been listening to me preach have heard me say this before, but you can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. You know, we can go through the mechanical uh, process of like handing something over, uh, sharing something, but, but not necessarily, you know, having love in our heart. But if you truly love someone, then the overflow of that, the, the corresponding evidence is going to be found in giving. You know, love and generosity, they cannot be separated. If you love someone, you will be generous. If something's on your heart, then your treasure is going to be in that place. Now, I might say that I love my wife. I might say that I love my children. But if I don't give to them, if I'm not being generous with them, I'm actually lying. I don't really love them. The evidence of our love can be seen in our actions. You know, sometimes our words can be cheap, but our actions are often expensive. You know, it costs us something. And today my prayer is that God will really awaken each and every one of us, because I I believe that in this grace of giving, in this spirit of generosity, I believe that there's room for all of us to grow and enlarge in this area. And my prayer is that we will all, you and me, uh, will be awakened to our true identity. I don't know whether you know this or not, but you are a generous person. Did you know that? You are a generous person. Now, you might not always think that way. You might not always feel that way. You might not always speak that way. You might not always act that way, but this is who you are. This is part of your character. This is part of your nature. This is part of your calling, who God has made you to be. Now, you might ask, well, how do you know that? How do you know that I'm a generous person? Well, I know it because I know that that God, your creator, is a very, very generous person. In Genesis 1 27, it informs us that you and I have been made in the image and likeness of God. And God is the most generous one of all. He was generous in his creation. He was generous in sending Jesus to die on the cross, the most expensive gift of all given to humanity from that place of love, so that you and I could experience heaven's best. It's that famous verse, isn't it, in John three sixteen that says, you know, for God so loved the world. There's that word again that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And Jesus, you know, he gave his life. He sowed his life so that multitudes would come to him, so that multitudes could have forgiveness, could experience life to the full, could have that eternal, everlasting life. I love this verse in Proverbs 11, verse 24 to 25. I'm gonna read this from the message translation. It's more of a, the message translation is more of a kind of a devotional um, translation to read from. um, And I would encourage you for your main studies of the word of God, use something that's a bit more literal, use a New King James version or English standard version typically tend to be my favorites. Um, But it is helpful to look at other translations as well, but always do weigh and test them. This is what it says anyway, and I will read it out in a different translation. But it says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, though, gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. What an amazing verse. Generosity expands and increases our life. It, It gives us more influence. And not only that, but it's one of the ways that we actually can help ourselves and be more blessed ourselves through living generous lives. This is what another translation says. It says one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, it's important to understand here, you know, that I want to point out that there are some false gospels, there are some false messages that do get preached. And it is sad when I hear some believers teaching a poverty gospel which contradicts the teaching of the bible god does not want you poor he does not want you to lack money or resources and and the fact that if you have lack it doesn't make you more spiritual that's a poverty gospel and actually poverty is under the curse of the law it's not a good thing it's not where god wants us to to be, But we do know that there is the poor in the world and we need to take our responsibility to reach out and care for and be a blessing to the poor. But don't li- don't believe the lie and don't link up with that deception of a poverty gospel. OK, God is not against you having things. But listen to this, but he is against things having you and God's not against you having money but he is against money having you. Now, some people will say, oh, but pastor, doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? No, it does not. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is actually neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's A tool that we can use, and we can either use it for something positive or something negative, for good or for evil. It's a bit like, you know, a knife. It could be used in the hand of a surgeon, it can be used to help and to heal in the hands of someone who wants to do someone damage, and it can cause a lot of destruction and can really hurt and harm people. So it's about how we use what we have. Um there's another false kind of gospel that I want to address which is preached which is often referred to as the prosperity gospel okay now what I want to say this because I want to define what I actually mean by the error of this because some things that get associated with this are not wrong um but they get tarred with the same brush but I want to clarify here what I mean when I say this prosperity gospel so this is when I'm talking about the false prosperity gospel. This it's basically promoting a self-centered, materialistic, get rich quick, carnally driven message, which is more about me getting than me giving. And uh, you know, some people who, who you know subscribe to this will say your bank balance or your number of assets determines your spirit how spiritually mature you are. That is wrong we do not believe in that, that we do not endorse that uh, and uh, God's, you know, looks on our heart and it's more about, you know, our obedience, more about our faith, it's more about um, us representing the character of Christ. That's what shows our spiritual maturity and, and showing God's love, not anything to do with the amount of physical resources that we might have. So Don't believe a poverty gospel, don't believe a prosperity gospel, Um, okay? But let me do give you a disclaimer here. The Bible doesn't teach against prosperity, okay? God, in fact, does want you and I to prosper. You know, actually says in the Bible, he delights in the prosperity of his servants, okay? Uh, Paul said about, you know, beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God does want us to prosper but it's more about that we can be a blessing, a greater blessing to the world around. So it's about, we do receive, but it's in order to to be a blessing, to be able to help other people, to express the character and the nature of God. But there is only one true gospel and that is Jesus Christ crucified, you know, uh, resurrected, ascended on high. You know, he gave his life for you and me. That's the gospel, that's the good news. And it is a gospel of provision. God provided for us through his Son Jesus Christ and because of that we can experience new life in Romans 6:23 it says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord it's a gift God has provided for us and it's up to us to choose to accept or reject that gift through Uh, our decision of what we're going to do. And I, I hope and pray that if you're here and you're watching this broadcast and you've never accepted Christ into your life, it's the best decision that you can do to give your life to him, to follow the plan and purpose that he has for your life. Now, I want to say this, every significant revival, awakening, move of God, outpouring that's ever happened, right from Bible times, fast forward into the present, Any significant move of God is always being combined with an outpouring in the air of generosity. So right from the book of Acts, you know, you think about the Wesleyan revival, the Welsh revival, the Azusa Street revival, all of these. When there was a a revival taking place, there was always a shift in people's hearts. And as a result, there was an outpouring of generosity that went with that. As well, uh, we're going to have a look at a passage of scripture in Second Corinthians chapter eight, and this is looking at the Macedonian church who were going through a lot of hardship, a lot of persecution. Um, they were battling lack, and uh, let's have a look at how they responded in that time of great difficulty. Because we find ourselves in a season, you know, with this COVID nineteen, where there's been a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulty. How did the Macedonians respond? even in uh, a, a tough time. So let's have a look from verse one and we're going to go to verse six. It says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Now listen to this, welled up, in rich generosity. Wow. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So these guys, they were like begging, even though they were in lack, they were saying, please, please give us an opportunity. We wanna bless, we wanna sow, we wanna be generous. And then in verse five, it says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. What an inspiring testimony that even though in times of hardship, they gave, they expressed that generosity. And then it goes later on, Paul goes on to say this in verse seven, he says, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. We have the liberty to give. We don't have to give. We get to give. You know, you don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. But these are helpful things for us to do that we should want to do and that we get the opportunity to do. Do you excel in the grace of giving? Are you living out of your true identity? and heavenly calling to express the generosity of God. I love what Martin Luther King Jr's wife said. She said this, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate action of its members. I'll say that again, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate action of its members members. And remember that to be compassionate is about being moved with this wanting to help, wanting to make a difference. And part of that is being generous. Part of that is is our response. And again, there's so many, there's millions of ways that we can do this. So we're not just going to say, here's one way of doing it. There's so many different ways, but it's about the overflow of a thankful heart. And I think as Christians, we should be the most generous people on the planet with our time, with our talent, with our treasure and with our unique touch as well. You know, God wants us uh, as his church, as the body of Christ to be wise stewards in the kingdom of God and to have a mindset that's based on the word of God that gets filtered. And I think there's two key scriptures I think that we should filter our mindset through. First of all, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So here we're seeing a key that there's there's these provisions that are there. But there is a condition. The condition is seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't say seek second or seek third or you know see what's left. No, this is like put God number one priority. He's got to be first place in your life. And as a result of that, there is a greater blessing. Colossians 3 2 says this set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I want to ask you are you applying the principle of first in your life? Are you applying the principle of first in your life? Is God really number one? And also, are you investing more in the temporal or the eternal? What What to you holds greater value, the temporal that will you know be here and you know and gone in, in just a moment? I you know recently saw the news about one of the ports of footballers, Alan McLaughlin. I think he was only like fifty one recently, and he passed away. You know, none of us know how long we've got on this earth. None of us know how how much time we have but there is a bigger picture and we should live in light of eternity. So the answer to those questions, I think will either lock or unlock the greater blessings that God has for our lives. And I wanna just come back to this whole thing about the principle of putting God first. We find it here in Matthew 6.33, but we find it at other places throughout the Bible as well. And God says, have no other gods before me, you know, I wanna be number one in your life. We also come across this principle of first in the words of the prophet Malachi, or as I heard a preacher once say, the Italian prophet Malachi. His words challenged a community to the core, a community that was rampant in sin, selfishness, idolatry and disobedience. And he didn't shy away. Malachi didn't back away and think, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to offend anyone. He went straight in there. Guys, what you're doing is wrong. You need to make a change in your lives. And the word of the Lord blazed like a wildfire through Malachi and his call to the people to repent, to change their ways, to lay down their selfishness. And I think that these words still ring true for us today. So let's have a look at what Malachi said. We're going to go Malachi 3, verse 7, and we'll go through to 12. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me. God's encouraging us today. Return to me. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask. How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. You know, that's the only place in the Bible where God actually challenges his people and says, test me. No, no other place, no other principle, no other key. The God says, try this one out, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. In another translation, it says the windows of heaven. This is about unlocking, using that key to unlock and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is talking about abundance. This is talking about more than enough. We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God who is more than enough. He doesn't just want to meet, give you enough to meet your needs, but to meet the needs of others as well. Let's go on to verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit because it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So here we see a powerful picture of the principle of first. And God is saying here, uh, use this key. And if you use this key, not only will it open up for you the windows of heaven, the floodgates of heaven, there's going to be this abundant provision. And also, there's going to be divine protection as well. Now, can we really rob God if God owns everything? Well, no, we can't because God does own everything. It all belongs to him anyway. We're just temporary stewards. Okay, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your possessions. God doesn't need your time or your talent. But when it comes to robbing God, we're actually robbing ourselves of an opportunity to praise God and to partner with him in his mission and his vision. We rob ourselves of the opportunity to walk in a greater blessing and a greater experience with God. And I love the words of Jesus Christ, you know, Acts 20, 35. What did He say? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So we are already blessed. I mean, we've got so many blessings in our lives, but there are keys that we can use to walk in that more blessed area, in that that place of greater blessing with God. Um, what's interesting here in this passage in Malachi three is that did you notice that uh, that tithing is not actually called giving; it's it's called returning, or, or the word here is bring. So it doesn't say give your tithe. It says here in Malachi 3.10, bring your tithe into the storehouse. It's because it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. We're simply returning it. We're simply bringing it as part of our worship. And we bring it to that place that we worship, that place that we call our spiritual home. Tithing is a key and it opens the door to the windows of heaven, to the floodgates of heaven. And it speaks about divine protection. So tithing is a key that we can use. It's available to us. It's also tithing is an application of the principle of first. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's more helpful. You're saying, do you believe in tithing? Do you believe in putting God first? That this is what this principle is, is about. Uh, tithing is about returning what already belongs to him. And remember that um, tithing is, is, is part of what God talks about in his word, it's, it's something that he encourages us to do. Giving is, as Ynell, Pastor Wienel has already shared a little bit about, it was, is about the over and above. That's our offerings, that's our arms, that's our seed. That's something that's a little bit different. Now, let me answer this question, because I know some of you might be thinking this. Do all Christians have to tithe? Do all Christians have to tithe? The answer to that is no. You are free moral agents. You don't have to do anything. I mean, God's not going to force you to do anything. You don't have to eat. You don't have to drink. You don't have to talk to people. You don't have to. There's lots of things you don't have to do, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do those things. But here's the good news. Here's the great news is that, that we don't have to give and we don't have to tithe, but we get to tithe. We get to put God first. We get to give to Him. We get to honor. We get to be a blessing to, to those around us through our time, our talent, and our treasure. And as we do, we're partnering with God in changing the world. You know, when we get into a generous life, it's one of the most powerful ways that we can combat self-centered and selfish living. If you want to combat selfishness, greed. If you want to combat materialism, the consumer, you know, culture, which is often promoted so much in the world, be generous. This is what Jesus modeled for us, this life of generosity. And when we give, when we're generous, we most look like our Heavenly Father. Now, what did, uh, you know, let's go back just a bit more of a biblical teach here on on tithing. Some people say, oh, well, I'm not really into tithing, Um, you know, but if I said, if I asked, if Jesus endorsed tithing, would you tithe? Well, what did Jesus say about tithing? If we have a look in Matthew 23, 23 Jesus does actually say there hey guys yeah you should be tithing but don't forget the weightier things of justice mercy and faithfulness so he was saying here guys don't stop tithing you're really good at that and you actually tithe on even the tiniest you know bits of income and that that you get blessed with don't forget that don't stop that but guys don't overlook justice and mercy and faithfulness so, you know, this is not about, this is one area we're to be obedient and hey, the other, the other areas don't matter. No, we should be wanting to be generous and obedient to God in all the areas of our lives. Tithing is a good starting point, but it was never designed to be a finished point, but should be, you know, us going above and beyond. Um, we're gonna have a look at a picture here. This was another image that came up recently uh, on the internet and hopefully we'll get it up on the screen here. Um, It's called The Bitter Truth. Uh, So if we can flash that up on the screen, guys, that would be really great. So um, there it is, The Bitter Truth. So hopefully you can see the text there. Um, But I saw this come up on social media and it's like, oh wow, that's really actually a very powerful thing, a very powerful message that's giving. So often our decisions are based on the way that we choose to view things. So here, you know, you might have someone says, "Hey, why don't you start up a new business?" And uh, the person responds, "You know, thirteen hundred, you know, thirteen hundred pounds. That's way too risky." Yet, in the next moment, you know, the cost of buying an iPhone, thirteen hundred, you know, pounds. The newest model is a must. I have to have it. (laughs) Can you see it? Just hang on. That doesn't quite add up here. Let's have a look at the next bit, you know, healthy groceries, 50 pounds, too expensive. You know, we can say it's too expensive yet. We're very happy and, you know, don't question spending 50 quid on on a dinner date. Learning a new skill. You know, someone says, I don't have the time for that. I'm too busy. Yeah, in the next moment, watching Netflix back to back, time flies. Let's watch another one. Choosing rightly and wisely because of what you prioritize and invest in today will determine your tomorrow. So, you know, I think sometimes we come up with these excuses, don't we? We come up with these things, but really it's about what is our perspective, what's in our heart. And my prayer is that, that we will operate in wisdom that comes from God. You know, in the, just coming into a, a close now, um, you know, parable of the talent. So I encourage you to read it in your own time. You can read about this in Matthew 25 verse 14 to 30, but there, a businessman, he's going on a long journey. He has three members of staff and he gives proportions uh, of wealth to each of those servants. And he basically says, look, go and invest. You know, I wanna see increase, make a difference with what I've given you, steward it well, when I come back, then I'll take accounts. And uh, one guy gets given uh, five talents and he goes away and he invests what he's been entrusted. Uh, He recognizes not my money. This is the boss's money. He invests five talents, uh, which was uh, a sum of money. And as a result, he got five more. So he increased. There was uh, an abundance. There was multiplication taking place here. And, uh, you know, the boss, uh, when he comes home, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's amazing. Great job. Uh, another one he gave two talents to. So not as many as the five, but he gave two. And the one with two went away. He invested that and he made two more. The boss was really pleased. Said, well done. That's amazing. Great. Good on you. Like you've been really faithful. And the third one gets one talent. So they've not got as much, but they've still been given something to Steward. But instead of investing it, they went and buried it in the ground out of fear. They had a scarcity mindset, a fear mindset. And uh, as a result, the boss, when he finds out about it, he's furious, he's angry, he's really cross. Sam. Like you could have put it in the bank and it would have got, uh, you know, interest. So even if you didn't do any much work after just putting it in the bank, like it could have still increased. And he said, you wicked, you lazy servant. And uh, he had to give that talent away. And, um, you know, it's a really powerful story that, you know, first of all, it conveys that God wants us to uh, increase, He wants us to multiply. But the second thing I want to point out here it's not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. It's not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. And I think that so often as you know, Christians, we can point the finger and judge other people and say, well, if I had their amount of money, if I was doing their business, if I had their gifts, if I had their you know, qualifications, then I'd be able to do so much more. Guys, it's not about that. God in his grace, he does give people different measures. Uh, different amounts and it doesn't mean that anyone's more important or more valuable we're all equal value but we do have different roles and there are different responsibilities that by god's grace he puts upon us. he never gives us more than that we can handle and uh so here here we we're seeing i want to encourage you don't look at other people and think well you know they should be doing this and they should be doing that guys it's not about what anyone else is doing It basically comes down to what are we doing with what God has given us? And we each have to take responsibility for ourselves as men and as women of God and as children of God. Well, I hope that you have found this um, helpful and um, inspiring. And I want to encourage you. God is a generous God. He generously gave his son Jesus for you and I. And when we express our generosity, not only do we use a key that unlocks so much more, we also represent our God, we represent our savior and king. And so I wanna encourage you to do that. And this is not about you know be generous because Pastor Daniel told me to be generous. No, this is about doing what God wants. And I wanna encourage you in your time with God, process it with him, talk to God, dialogue with God, do whatever he tells you to do. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your generosity that you've shown towards us. Help us to be generous in every area of our lives and to be led by your word and be led by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it. And we pray that we will partner with you in your vision, in your dream, in changing the world. Soften our hearts and break off any selfishness, any self-centeredness, any consumerism, any materialistic, self-centered attitudes, soften our hearts, Lord God, that we might respond in the way that you have called us and you have made us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.